preach on, uh, on our innocence, uh, according to Hebrews chapter 10, and just the simple power of the gospel. Uh, you know, if you ask yourself the question, why is there no more sacrifices for sins? Why is there no more animal sacrifices? Uh, the answer is very simple. Uh, because there's no more sin. <laughs> Isn't it? That's how simple it is. If there was a sacrifice for sin, and then there came the perfect sacrifice, so that all sacrifices ended, so that there's no more sacrifice needed for sin, for sin was taken away by one sacrifice. That is a very simple, such a powerful truth. And that is what I want to talk about today. Um, the, the biggest thing is for us to understand this truth and believe this truth. We might still say, but Bertie, you know, Jesus Christ did pay for the sin of the world. He did forgive us our sins. But why do people still sin? Why do people still do destructive things in their lives? It's, it's very simple. Um, and you can ask anybody that does something that's destructive in his life. You will... He really doesn't want to do it. He's a slave of that sin. So, um, and if we can grasp that concept, you know, we will not feel so guilty should something happen that's not good. And we will know how to be free from it. And live in freedom because that's what God gives us. Um, and, and not just what He promised, but what He brought forth in Jesus Christ through believing differently. Now on the way here in the car we're talking about um, you know, what connection stress and emotion, emotions have in, with health. You know, it, it, there's a big connection. You know? And then we went further and we said, well, con the, the connection we have, our emotions to a great, in a great degree determines our health. But our emotions is determined by what we believe. That's it. You feel what you believe. Um, if you, things in South Africa can be, I mean, the, the fuel price can go to 30 rand a liter. But if you believe, if you in your heart can believe, that's not so bad. You know, it will have no effect on you. Because belief determines emotion, and that can also determine your health or how you handle things in this life. Now, we don't want to make a law out of that because there can be a, what about a child, you know, that's, that's born without legs. I mean, what wrong emotion did he have for having that? No. So we, we, we don't want to make a law out of it, but there is some element of truth connected to this. So um, I believe that the healthiest life there is, is a life where you believe that you're completely pure. If you can believe that you are pure, then you can have a good relationship with God. Now, purity is not found in your action. Um, your action can be born from your revelation of your purity and how innocent you are and how holy you are. Uh, I've said this in many services before here, but I want to repeat myself again because it's such a truth that, that's in my heart. And that is that it's impossible to have a healthy relationship with somebody as long as what you feel indebted to him. If you feel you owe somebody something, your, your, your speech is going to change. 
your actions is going to change. And if the thing that you owe him is so big that you feel you can never pay it back, you will end your friendship with that person. That's the way it is. Uh, I remember my uncle always said, he said, uh, um, I don't want to borrow you money because I don't want to end the friendship. Because even if I forgive you, if you can't pay it back and you can't pay it back, you will feel guilty and it's never going to be the same again. That's what my uncle used to say. And I don't say what he says is right, but that's a principle in this life. You know? um, and when we feel indebted to God, we will have an action towards God that's born out of that guilt. And that action can look like this. It can be a lot of prayer. It can be giving a lot of money. It can be going to church a lot. Because you want to pay your debt. Because you feel guilty. You feel indebted. So you want to do a lot of good things so that you can uh, uh, pay back the debt or, you know, you, you just do those good things because you feel guilty. And whenever you talk to God, born from that guilt, the, the language you use is never just a, a, langu a language that you'll use in normal life. Or language that you will use that will promote good relationship just in this normal life. When you talk to God, it will be a God that is afar off, a God that is sin conscious, a God that is your shortcoming conscious, and all those kind of things. And life will be difficult for you. Your relationship with God will be difficult because you feel guilty. And Jesus Christ came to take away all guilt. The reason why I came to take away all guilt is so that all people can have the opportunity to have a good relationship with Him. Amen. You know, if, if there's a person that's got many people that work for him, and some people owe him and others don't, those that don't owe him will have a better relationship with him than those that are indebted. You can even find that those that are indebted will, might even work harder for the boss. But they'll never be themselves. Because guilt gives birth to a life. As what innocence gives birth to a life. So, uh, in the platform of innocence, that's a platform where God wants us to live from. When you look at the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's no indebtedness. There's no guilt. Where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, uh, He doesn't feel guilty towards the Father. He doesn't feel indebted towards the Father. He doesn't feel He owes the Father service. Um, they sit on the platform of equality, on the platform of friendship, on the platform of gods, if you want to call it like that, although God is one. And I said it before, but this is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. It says God is one. Uh, we know that the, the God is one, but He's three. But the wonderful thing of this verse is that these three are one. So God is not a God that lives in separation. God is a God that lives in union. And we have been invited into this union because God is one. So when God comes and He says, I bring you into my in a relationship with me, it means it can't be outside of 100% union with Him. As the Father is united with the Son and as the Son is united with the Father. That's how we are united in the Holy Spirit with God in the same platform that Jesus has with the Father, which is, Jesus says this, I am a human because Jesus is a human being. Okay? 
in the heavens. We know that before he ascended into the heaven, he had a physical body and he could eat fish, they could touch him, they could put their fingers in the nail marks which he had. That's how he looked. And like that, they saw that physical body go into the heavens where that body is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus sits there saying, I'm a human. And there's no separation between me and God. There's no indebtedness between me and God. There's no sin consciousness between me and God. And Jesus is the high priest of the human race. Isn't that awesome? So what he, say, what he speaks of, he, he speaks for every human being. So that whosoever can believe this truth can enjoy the quality of life that God has. And this is what Hebrews 10 is all about. I want to just read here uh, uh, some verses in Hebrews 10. It says in verse, um, verse 18, Now, where remission of these is, talking about sin, there is no more offering of sin. Where there is remission of sin, there is no more offering for sin. Okay, so we don't have any offerings for sin anymore. We don't go and slaughter a lamb. We don't go and offer anything because we've done something, something wrong. Why? Because there was 100% perfect remission for sin. Isn't that awesome? 100% perfect remission for sin. Now where remission of these are, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now let me explain. This is Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 17 to 21. What he says there is, he says, there is a new and living way into the presence of God. That new and living way is called the flesh or the body of Jesus. Now what does the flesh and the body of Jesus stand for? This flesh and this body stands for the following. It stands for our perfection and the crucified body also talks about the ending of the embodiment of the law system where man had a way to God by his conduct, by the good that he's done, by, by the success in his life. He felt, well, I'm closer to God. If I do something wrong, then I feel separated from God. If I do something right, then I can draw close to God or talk to God. But what he says here is that where there's perfect remission of sin, there's no need for any sacrifice anymore. And in verse 14, let me read verse 14 there. It says, For by one offering, that is Jesus, He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. And them that are sanctified, in the previous verse there, it talks about every human being. So He comes and He sanctifies every human being through one sacrifice. Okay, so that there's no more, so, so that there is perfect remission of sins for every human being. 
if there were people outside, uh, um, you know that if 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 there was if God still looked at mankind from perspective of they are sinners, then he would have had then sinners would have still had to sacrifice animals and believers could have stopped. But no sinner has to sacrifice an animal, neither does any believer have to sacrifice an animal. Jesus Christ came and His sacrifice was the perfect remission for all sin. Okay? Now listen to this. This is so beautiful. Perfect remission through one sacrifice, He has perfected forever, then that are sanctified. And then He goes on, and He says here in verse, 20, uh, verse uh, 22, Let us draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith. So, here are people on the planet whose, whose sins has been removed. All people's sins was removed, but all are not drawing near to God. Why? For all are not believing it. That's why we get people that live far from God and other people that live close to God. There are people that live far from... They can be in church, but very far from God because they're coming to church, the money they give to the church, and everything they do is a sacrifice for their sins. They're actually doing penance for the wrong thing they've done in the week, and they come and they use the communion once a month to feel better about themselves, you know, because it's something they actually pay. It's a service they render to God so that they don't have to feel guilty. If, if that's the way you live, in your mind, you, you must, this is the word of God for you. Come and draw close to God, for you are still far in your mind. God has come close to every man, but our mind needs to get in line with what God has done so that we can come close to Him. That is the way it is. And this is exactly what the Scripture says. You know, when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world... It wasn't just a nice thing to say for the moment. It is the truth. Because that's what Jesus Christ came to do. To take away the sin of the world so there could be a new and living way. There's a new way and this way is alive. Seated at the right hand of the Father, which is the flesh of Jesus. And then he says, we now can come with boldness to the throne of grace in the full assurance of faith. Now what is full assurance of faith? Let me read that verse again there. Let us draw near with a true heart, verse 22, in the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Okay, so full assurance of faith is to have your heart... <laughs> oh, I'm preaching myself happy here. <laughs> having full assurance of faith is to have your heart sprinkled or washed from the thing where you've got a consciousness of sin. Where you've got no consciousness of sin. Now that is so far separated from our humanistic way of thinking, our traditional uh, 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 Christian way, uh, uh, Muslim way, Buddhist way, all those things are, all, all religion, normal religion is all about your shortcoming and being conscious of your shortcoming and working on your shortcomings. Christianity is not about being conscious of your shortcoming and working at it. Christianity is being conscious of your innocence and your perfection and your union with God. 
That's, that's, that's Christian life. And then when we, when we realize that God came and made himself one with man by becoming a human being, and then was seated at the right hand of the Father, and he invites us and say, I invite you into this eternal life, into this quality of life, then we are saved from what we live in, and the death we live in, and the eternal consequences it will have by responding to his request of saying, I invite you to the life where you can have no consciousness of sin as I don't have any consciousness of sin. Let me read it to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to read this. Um, Hebrews 10. Verse 15 says, Wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their heart and into their mind, into, in, in their minds I will write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So what he says is God will put a new law in our hearts, His law, and He will not be mindful of our iniquities and our sins. So, in the throne room, in the presence of God, God is, God's mind is saturated with your perfection because of Jesus. And now he says that the true worshippers, once purged, will have no more consciousness of sin. You'll start to live in the level of God concerning who you are. And that is living in the consciousness of your innocence. My goodness. Am I preaching you too holy now? <laughs> We're talking about the perfect sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice. Why? Hebrews, Hebrews, 11, uh, Hebrews 10 verse 1. Let's read it there. It says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers or the worshippers or the people perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. So if the animal sacrifices would have worked, then they would have had no more conscience of sin. Then he goes in Hebrews 10, he says, these animal sacrifices ceased. There's no more consciousness of sin. The reason why I wrote this was because the Jewish people, after they come to, the, come to believe in Jesus, they fell back into animal sacrifice. And now he wanted to correct them and tell them it's not needed. Because they maybe did a thing wrong, or they started to get sin conscious, and then they thought, well, let me go and sacrifice an animal. He says, hey, listen. It doesn't matter. The sacrifice of Christ was the perfect sacrifice. So you will never, ever have to have any consciousness of sin. You will be a fool to have consciousness of sin, for Christ said that He will remember our sins no more. God said He remembers our sins no more. So why do we remember our sins every day? And walk and have our lives formed from the foundation of, I'm guilty. Thank you, Jesus. People, I'm just reading Hebrews here. 
Hebrews 10. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshippers once purged. How many times did Jesus have to die for us? Once. If he died once, if a worshipper once purged should have had no more consciousness of sin or conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. And then it comes and explains Psalm 40 here where Jesus said, Father, I got the revelation that you didn't have any, uh, uh, um, any delight in these animal sacrifices, but you prepared a body for me. It was just a type and a shadow of me. The goats and the, uh, and the, 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 the oxen and all those animals were just a type and a shadow of Christ, who would be the one who would perfectly remove our sins. And then verse 14, For by one offering He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. I want to read Ezekiel 36 verse 25. It says here, I want to read verse 22 again and then Ezekiel 36. It says, Let us draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith. True heart, in other words, a belief system that is correct. Right? Full assurance of faith. The assurance that comes to your heart when you are persuaded that you're innocent. That's how God wants you to come before Him. With a, it says, let us draw near with a true heart. The Bible says, with a heart we believe. In other words, let us come with a heart that is true or in line. You know, uh, 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 in the engineering world, you know, they've got a, a thing that they will say, they will have a, a straight edge. Okay, and then they, I remember my, my dad would say, this is, a, this is a, he didn't say straight edge, he said straight edge. Okay, this thing is true. Or you will ask, is the square true? True means it's really 90 degrees. It's true. So it says you come with a true heart. A heart that is in line with God's heart with the full assurance that we can have because of faith. And what is faith here? Faith is, in the context of Hebrews here, of faith is that one sacrifice took away my sins forevermore. Believing what God believes, having my mind, uh, having an assurance based on my innocence. So God wants you to come boldly before Him knowing you're innocent because He's not conscious of sins. So it is actually, you know, an uh, uh, anticlimax if you come into the throne room of God where there's an absolute consciousness of your righteousness because of the human being seated on the right hand of God representing you and you come in there with a guilty conscience. It's the wrong place to feel guilty. If you want to feel guilty, don't feel guilty in the presence of God. That's the place where you're supposed to feel innocent. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the place where the throne, where the throne of God's influence on the human race. Those who can believe this gospel is saved. That's it. But the gospel has been preached too watered down. It wasn't good enough. 
It was a, a sin consciousness, works orientated thing. You know, when, when your mind gets washed in this, and, and your heart gets washed in this, you, you, you find, you, you start to feel superhuman. You start to feel clean. You start to feel clean. You start to feel how even doing a wrong thing cannot take away your purity. Because it's not determined by what you do. If I would get upset about something, being upset cannot make me uh, uh, unclean. Because that is not the determining factor of my cleanliness or my holiness before God. And there's a place where we start to live in this reality where the things of this world cannot determine who we are. And we start to live from knowing Him. And that can only happen by having our minds saturated with this good news. But how am I going to have my, my, myself cleansed? Let's, let's have Ezekiel 36 there, verse 25. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It says... Verse 25, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. So, who's the one that is doing the cleansing? It's not us. He said, I will take clean water and sprinkle upon you. He says, have your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. So what is evil, the word evil talks about full of labor and annoyance, full of hard work, full of, of righteousness by the law. He says, I will take pure water. What is pure water? The water of the word. I will take the gospel, the message of God's blood and what is done for us and I will sprinkle your heart. I will sprinkle you. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart, a new belief, also will I give you a new spirit, a new spirit, a small letter, a new vital principle from where we live, and also, I believe, spirit inside us, um, will, I, will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart or the law-based heart, for the law was written on stones, out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Let me explain that. He said, <laughs> so beautiful, he says, I will sprinkle you. With what? With clean water. With clean water. He says, and I will put a new heart in you. I'll take away the heart of stone." from your flesh okay so what he says is we've got a belief system of stone the bible says the ministration of death was written on stones speaking signifying the law system that's written on the heart of a man where we judge ourselves by what we do now i don't have time to explain all of that if you're here for the first time man you need to just order something the origin of the law or something like that from the from the, uh, the, the messages we have there, that you can understand that. Um, 
but that stones there talks about the law. That's why a person, even when they sinned, you know, according to the law, they were stoned. It talks about the law killing you. So, the heart of stone I will take away from you, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Why? Because the Word was made flesh, and dwelt amongst us. And we will start to believe the Word of God, and we will have a heart that is around the embodiment of God in, in human flesh, where human flesh is seated at the right hand of God. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit. Now, now, now the word spirit, I do believe the word spirit talks about the Holy Spirit, but we understand there's something great to understand about another definition of the word spirit. The word spirit means a, a, a life principle. Um, also, it's also one of the Greek meanings, a vital principle animated. So, uh, if I would say the, 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 the spirit of, um, you know, when, when I went to America, man, the spirit of, of America is there. You know, the way they do their things is different than the way we do it. When they come here, I mean, if, if we think of the, the spirit of South Africa and soccer, we think of the vuvuzela. That's the way it is. <laughs> Those Germans were so upset when I spoke about that wonderful Vuvuzela. They say they can't hear the commentator. I say, you want to hear the commentary? You can see for yourself. You want to just hear the noise. You know, feel the buzz, you know. <laughs> so it's like the, the, the spirit of South African soccer is the Vuvuzela and the noise and the whole thing is there with it. The spirit of soccer in England is singing and, and all of that. So what is the spirit of God? What is the vital principle, if you want to call it like that, by which, it, in South Africa, when you go to a soccer match, it's a principle to have a vuvuzela. It's just wrong not to have one. You are sinning if you don't have one. You're breaking the law. You're breaking the vital principle. So in the same way, in the presence of God, what is the vital principle, the spirit in which God moves? It's the spirit of equality, innocence. That is his, that's what's called the Holy Spirit. It's not a sin conscious spirit, it's a Holy Spirit. Amen. He says there, and I will put my spirit within you. The spirit by which God lives, the attitude by which God lives, the thought pattern by which God conducts his day every day. He gives as a free gift to every man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways and you shall keep my judgments and do them. He will cause us. <laughs> Where's this human willpower trying to follow the commands of God, uh, theology in this? It's nowhere to be found. Because the very being of God takes over. And the only way for us to experience this is through faith. Through believing it is so. Because when we believe the truth, we receive the Spirit of God. And, let us not, and, and, and let's not lie to one another. 
You know, the Bible says, don't lie to each other. Don't, let's not, I don't want to lie to you and tell you, you're just a sinner. I'll be lying. I, I, I can't lie to you and tell you God's angry with you. It's a lie. I can't lie to you and tell you that you were not made the righteousness of God in Christ. I can't lie to you and tell you that Jesus Christ is not a human being today in the heavens representing you. It's a lie. We speak the truth to each other. What is the truth? The Bible says the true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. And then it says here, the worshippers once purged will have no more consciousness of sin. So what is spirit and truth? It is in the attitude of God, the very spirit of God, having no consciousness of sin anymore, but having a consciousness of our perfection, not because of our doing, but because of His doing. And this gives glory to God. Amen. Amen. Now there are those that say when you preach such a wonderful message that people will go and sin when they hear this. I can't think that if you tell me this, then I've got the greatest desire to go and steal something. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, it's a warped idea, you know. You know, uh, uh, you know I, I was sitting in church and somebody told me how innocent I am and how Jesus paid for my sins and it brought this great desire, you know, to take my neighbor's wife. It is stupid to think that this gospel is going to produce sin. This gospel can never produce sin. The message of your innocence produces the very being of God in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This is the true gospel. God has come and set us free. And I want to say this, and I, I just feel this is by the Holy Spirit, a, a word of knowledge. It doesn't matter how hard and how strong the, the grip of guilt is in your mind. You're still innocent. I don't care how guilty you feel. The truth is Jesus. I don't care how guilty you feel. You can feel guilty, but you're not guilty. The only thing we can be guilty of is to trample underfoot this awesome gospel. That's why the Bible says the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. Of sin because we have not believed on Him. What does it mean to believe on Him? I mean to believe on Him means to believe on what He came to do. What did He come to do? He came to take away the sin of the whole world. So there can be a new and living way. And by taking away the sin of the whole world, it didn't only take away the sin, but it also took away the old way unto God, which was the law and works righteousness. It took all of that away, plus it took sin away. The throne room stands wide open for the whole world to run in with confidence and boldness to God because of their innocence. Let us draw near to God with a true heart. Amen. A true heart. Remember that picture. I don't know if it will mean a lot to you, but to me it means a lot. You know, if you must build something. Uh, I remember when I was working with my father a lot, and, and, and before I just preached full time, I would do a lot of steel work. If you take a square 
and you draw that line with that chalk on that steel and you cut it and that square is not true, you're going to have a lot of welding to do. To weld close all those holes you've been cut, cutting into the steel with that grinder. So let's draw with a true heart. A heart that when we put our heart on the heart of God, it spells what God believes about us. Amen. And the power of this gospel, let me tell you, in believing this, the Bible says in Romans, it sets you free from the power of the flesh, so that we don't have to resist the flesh every day, but that the very being of God has killed it all. The Bible says, mortify, it says, you have died with Christ, and you don't live anymore, and His life is your life. Mortify, therefore, your members on the earth, talking about wrong deeds. In other words, see your deeds as dead as what the old lawman is. Let this be in your mind. What will happen then? Then you'll find that those deeds die in your life. Effortless. Effortless. You know, it's a big thing on, on Facebook, you know. Whenever I use the word effortless, there are people that argue. Because it must always be an effort. It must always be an effort. The other day I spoke to a guy and, I, and, and, and his, his, his wife brought tea in, you know, and he said, no, it, it can't be effortless, you know, we must do something. I said, um, if, if you know that your wife makes this tea for us, you know, and it's the greatest, greatest effort for her, um, and she must use willpower, she never wants to do it, but now she must do it, will you not rather go and make your own tea? He says, of course. I said, we don't even, the principle that you want to use between us and God and what you want to put on your people is, not, is what you're not even willing to put on your own wife. But you want to put it on the people of God. Now, God has come to set us free. Hallelujah. So that, for, so that He can live in us. And that is a wonderful life of peace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Father, I want to thank you that you've come to take away our sins. And that is why we accept you as our Lord and Savior, where we receive salvation. Father, we know that all people out there aren't saved. They need to hear this and believe it to be saved. But we can't compromise on what you've done. You've taken away our sins. Now I'm thinking of last week when I preached to people that doesn't even go to a church and I could declare them innocent and they could come and accept Jesus as their Savior. What a wonderful sight to see. And I thank you, Lord, that we can accept you as our Savior. We declare you as our Lord. It doesn't matter how deep guilt is rooted in our minds. We come today, even if that guilt is there, we come and we look at your word what you've said. And what you've said wasn't Afrikaans or English or anything. It is said by your being and where you're seated. Where you're seated is speaking. And we hear your word. And your word is beautiful to us. We accept it. We accept our innocence. Thank you for that, God. And as our hearts get washed and our minds get washed by your word continually, flowing through us. We experience guilt falling from us, the emotions of, of feeling I'm not good enough falling from us, and where we feel we, we almost live like in a cocoon of protection of the, because of you.
thank you, Lord, that we have received, and we receive today, the heart of flesh. For you remove the heart of stone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And if you are here today, maybe you have, you've come here, you're, you've just been in a traditional way of thinking about Jesus, but you've never accepted your innocence. You've never accepted Jesus as the one who lords over your sin to the point that you are perfectly innocent forever. If you have not accepted Him in that form of lordship, today is your day. You can accept Jesus as your Lord. And I want you to do it right now. This is not a time to think of, uh, you know, what will my church say where I come from, or what will my friends say. There's, only, there's a word being said about you. It will speak for eternity, this Jesus. And let's not reject His unconditional love. For what will we live by? If we can't live by what He's done. Right now where you are, just in your heart where you are, you can confess Jesus as your Lord. You can say, Jesus, your name spells my innocence. You lord it over my life. You've served me with innocence. And I accept you as the one who saved me. I accept you as the one that cleansed me. I accept what you've done. And your word washed me. And I partake of a brand new life. You can do it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I also want to just pray for everybody here that's got sickness in their bodies. I declare over their bodies that, you are that, they, that they are healed because you are healed. That they are provided for because of you. Thank you, Lord, that sickness will never ever have the opportunity to define our relationship with you. Jesus is the word about my innocence, not sickness or health, but we can also be healed. Thank you, Lord, that I speak that healing over them and I declare that pain leaves their body. As you've, he you've healed me many times, as you heal me, and I experience your healing, so they are healed. Thank you, Lord. And I also just feel I want to pray for, for, for Innes today. I thank you, Lord, that he's a good friend. Thank you, my God, for his life. Thank you for his tender spirit. Thank you for just who he is. And I declare over his life, over his business, over his marriage, your blessedness. It is over him. I thank you, Lord, that his mind will be saturated with the dimensions of your love. Thank you for that, my Father. And he will comprehend. He will have that enlightened mind every day. And he will say, but I see this and I see this. And I've been thinking about this. And the Lord revealed to me all about who I really am. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for that, my God. And thank you for the influence that He does have on other people through who you are in Him, in Jesus' mighty name. I declare Him, uh, 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 I declare He's blessed with a long, healthy life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen. amen. Okay, thank you, guys. What a blessing. Um, if anybody needs prayer, you can come and I'll pray for you. Uh, if any one of you want to give towards the ministry, there's a red box on the table over there. Um, just use the generosity in your heart and that's it.